Welcome to New Beginnings Community Church. We hope this message blesses you. If this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe and check out our social media channels at NBCC Halifax or visit our website www.nbcc.life. You're about to hear a message from our Sunday experience, but before we dive in, every week we take time out of our service to receive our tithes and offerings. If you'd like to donate to the work of New Beginnings, you can do so by going to www.nbcc.life forward slash give. Now let's dive into God's word together. You're all looking mighty fine this morning. Well, I wouldn't say that, brother. Annoying me. So last week we started our our, our, our series Team Breaker, and uh, if you, if you missed last week, I really advise you to go online and have a listen to how we we break the chains of fear. We talked about last week. We talked about nobody wanting to to to, to, to live like a like a half life. That nobody wanted to live a, an unfulfilling life because we all want to achieve something, right? We all want to achieve extraordinary and wonderful things. But like, nobody wants to grow up to be a, an alcoholic. No one wants to grow up to be a drug addict or, or a drug dealer. We all want to grow up to change the world, right? But like I said last week, we seem to, be get, to get held back from the things that God has called us to do because somewhere along the journey, something changed on the inside of us and now there seems to be this more competition to, to be mediocre than there is to be remarkable. That's just the society that we live in. So this week, I want us to look at one of the greatest chains that has the most people bound in modern times. And that is the chains of addiction. The chains of addiction. My wife's doing this uh, charity boxing thing. And uh, she practiced on me. (laughs) I have pads. No black eyes. (laughs) So there's three ways to win a boxing match. Number one, you knock your guy out. That's what V's going to do. In a few weeks. Come on. Number two... The other person gives up. Or number three, the judge grants you the victory based on the points for each round. Now, that is a really good picture of addiction, believe it or not. And maybe you're saying to yourself, well, that's a really a bit weird talking about addiction in a kind of church kind of setting. I mean, we're supposed to be the free ones, right? We're supposed to be the chain-free people. Let me tell you something, guys. Addiction is everywhere, even within the church. Even within the church. Did you know that in the UK, there are over 600,000 compulsive gamblers? If you've ever gambled, you know the danger and the destruction that comes from that. There's over 12 million binge eaters. One out of every 20 people are on drugs. One out of every four men are addicted to alcohol. One out of every six women Sorry, tobacco. One out of every six women are addicted to tobacco. 1.6 million people in the UK are dependent upon alcohol. I know some of you are sitting here at night this morning going, that's not me. I'm not addicted to those things. Clearly this message isn't for me. 
And maybe you're not, and that's great that you're not addicted to those things. But what about this? An Ofcom study shows that the average Briton now checks their mobile phone every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes and is online for 24 hours a week. They also found that for the first time, the time spent making phone calls from mobile devices to a landline or to a mobile phone has fallen as most people now use Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, text message, or WhatsApp. Which is scary. The media's regulators' annual conference market report found that a fifth of British people felt stressed if they couldn't access the internet. And while now, for the first time ever, women are spending more time online than men. It's happening. It's happening. Those of us who are married, we know. We know. The report also showed a rapid growth in addiction to technology. See, according to Ofcom, just 12% of British adults have said they've never used the internet. Only 12%. The total amount of time spent online uh, uh, from, from, from Brit- British people has doubled over the last 10 years with a quarter of adults saying they spend more than 40 hours a week online, whether it be at a computer or on a mobile device, phone or whatever. 40 hours a week. The internet has, has, has seeped into many aspects of our lives as well. Two in five British adults, rising to 65% of those under the age of 35, say that they have looked at their phone within five minutes of waking up in the morning. Let me tell you something, folks. If you look at your phone in the morning before you speak to any of your family, you have got a real problem. You may try and deny that you've got a problem, but you do. You really do. A third of adults check their phones up until the moment they fall asleep at night. A figure which rises to 60% of those under the age of 35. Now, the prevalence of mobile phones has also meant that the attitude of using mobile phones in public has also changed. Now, while 83% of those people aged 55 and over say that it's totally unacceptable to use your mobile phone while in the company of other people, i.e. out eating dinner, that figure almost halved with the people aged 18 to 34 who were more comfortable using their, their mobile phones or checking notifications while out with other people. Folks, if you are in the company of other people and you are checking your mobile phone or looking at notifications about people who are not even with you, then you have got an addiction. Whether you want to confess it or not, you have got an addiction. If you reach for your phone first thing in the morning to check anything other than the time, you have got an addiction. And that is the truth. If you're out with dinner for somebody and you even bring your phone out of the pocket and put it on the table, then you have got an addiction. Why even do that? You're sitting down with dinner with people to have fellowship and you bring your phone out and you put your phone on the table. For what purpose? For what purpose? There's no purpose. Otherwise, the people you're with are just boring the tears off you. Could have used other words there. I nearly did. 
<laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> oh, dear Father. See, the truth of the matter is that chains of addiction are not limited by race, gender, social status, or religion. Some of the most addictive people in the world attend church on a regular basis. Let me tell you the definition of addiction. Ready for this? So this will change your life. The definition of addiction is not being able to stop. Not being able to stop taking something or doing something, even though you recognize that it's negative and that it causes you harm in some way or people around you in some way. I think Paul describes the chains of addiction the best. In Romans chapter 7, verse 17, 15 to 24, it says this. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law. And the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And church, isn't that the real question? Isn't that the real question? How often do we meet people who do something that they don't like to do, but they can't stop. They recognize that what they're doing is destroying their lives and destroying and affecting the lives of people in and around them, but they still continue to do what they're doing. And let me tell you something, church. No family is off limits to addiction. I have addiction in my own family. I was addicted to drugs, to alcohol, and to cigarettes. See, it starts off with one cigarette, doesn't it? And another, and another. Same with alcohol, starts off with one drink. You ask any alcoholic or any drug addict their biggest regret, and they'll say, taking the first drink, taking that first drug. But that's how it happens. Do you want to know how I stopped taking drugs and alcohol and cigarettes? I stopped putting those addictive things in my mouth. That was it. I stopped putting those addictive things in my mouth. I knew that I wouldn't die if I didn't take them. Yes, it would hurt. The pain would be tremendous. The temptation would be tremendous. But I knew I wouldn't die if I didn't take them. But I knew I would if I had have continued. But for many people, addiction has won. And now it's the addiction that controls the direction of their lives. So I personally know the pain of addiction. And Jesus dealt with people like this. He dealt with people with control issues. Remember the account of the man they called Legion? 
He was completely out of control. He was bound. You find the account in Mark chapter 5, verse 1 to 5, it says this. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gersenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Now, please don't misunderstand me for a single second today. I am not saying, everybody say he's not saying. I am not saying that everybody who's addicted is possessed by demons. I'm not saying that at all. Although the word witchcraft in the Greek is the word pharmacia, which is where we get our English word pharmacy. So I do believe there are spiritual issues when dealing with drug addiction. Even seven out of the 12 steps in the 12-step program mentions God, prayer, or spiritual freedom. But what I want you to take from this uh, story of the out-of-control man is this. Who wants to live in the cemetery? Who wants to go live in the cemetery? Who wants to cut himself with stones? Who wants to be wild and untamed to the point that he's a social outcast? Who, who wants to be like that? But that is the picture and that is the result of addiction. But I want to be able to offer you hope this morning. Everybody say hope. hope. Say it again with passion. Hope. That's more like it. I believe the chains of addiction can be defeated. I believe that those chains can be destroyed. So let me just mention some things to you. I've been listening to some, several Christian counselors who are doing some really remarkable work studying uh, addicts. And they've been using this brain imaging technology to study the, 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 the impact of substance abuse and any other kind of addiction within the brain. Stop letting her know you. She's not bothering me. I'm glad she's here. Now, what they've discovered is this. Those who are addicted to drugs... Those who are addicted, addicted to, to, to the alcohol or the social media or the mobile phones or, 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 or for anything for that matter, they've got this common trait in their noggin. And the common trait is this. When their brains are scanned, the addict has got this thing. He's got low prefrontal cortex activity or low frontal lobe activity. We've spoken this before. That's important because it's the frontal lobe that causes a person to have pause. The frontal lobe causes a person to have pause. It's when you know you're, you're lying with your wife and you're watching TV and she's on the sofa reading the book because she likes to read. And you look over your shoulder and you look into the kitchen and you see there's a pile of dishes. And you think to yourself, those dishes need washed. Maybe I should let my wife know. That there's dishes in the sink that needs washed. As you would think. As you would think. <laughs> if you have a normal prefrontal lobe, then a pause kicks in. And you suddenly come to the realization, well, if I let my wife know there's dishes in the sink, she's going to stand up and kill me. Then I'll be dead. If you have a normal prefrontal lobe, that's what happens. 
It's the area of the brain that stops you from carrying out all those crazy, stupid little acts that you, that you think of in a moment's stupidity. You don't act on the impulse of anything. They've discovered that addicts don't have that. They just act. The second thing they discovered is that as the free, as the, as the, the frontal lobe activity in our drops, the signet area of the brain starts to have increased blood flow and becomes highly active. Now, that's also really important because that's the area of your brain that causes us to obsess or to have a singular focus about something. So a person with high activity in this area becomes totally obsessed or stuck on an activity or a person or a substance. Now, do you see how those two things work together? Now they are totally obsessed with the one thing and there is no pause to tell them that it's dangerous. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor either. But I noticed that Something that I want to draw to your attention this morning. Now, if you revisit the encounter that, 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 that Legion had with Jesus in Mark 5, it says, And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Did you catch that phrase there? And in his right mind. Scientists have discovered three contributing factors to addiction. Number one, environment. Everyone say environment. Number two, biology. Say biology. And number three, how a person thinks about addiction. Now, can I just make a suggestion this morning? That one significant step toward breaking free from addiction, whether you're addicted to drugs Alcohol, cigarettes, social media, the internet, eating, television, or shopping among a few. That the one significant step toward breaking free from that chain of addiction is a change of mind. A change of mind. Now, there's no easy, canned up answer or easy solution to this problem. But I know that victory can be won. In fact, Paul answers his own question when he asks if anyone can help me. He says in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, Thank God that the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. He goes on in Romans 12, verse 2, and he says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The renewing of our minds. So even Paul understood that to live life and, and to battle with, 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 with the contradictions, you've got to experience a renewed mind. Because a renewed mind has got transforming power. I wonder how many of us have willingly give God our heart. How many of us have willingly give God our heart, but have never really allowed God's power to transform our mind so that we think differently? So where we can pause again, to we obsess less, to where, to where our perspective changes and clears up and our, and our thought process changes. See, Paul says that we should have the mind of the Lord Jesus. Maybe 
We concentrate so hard in giving the, uh, Jesus our heart that we forget that we also have to give him our mind as well. See, if all, we, if all we do is allow God to control our heart and we know that addiction is a thing of the mind, then maybe we need to deal more wisely with this as well as this. See, I know this, that Jesus experienced with a bound man, a man whose life and behavior was completely out of his control, teaches us that addiction can be broke with one encounter with the Lord Jesus. Doesn't matter what you say. Christ can set us free. Chains can fall off and be broken forever. Now there's people who find that the battle continues. This is why I want to mention something else that I discovered. Teen Challenge. Put up your hand if you ever heard of Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is one of the most, if not the most, successful place for treatment for addicts in the entire planet. So statistics have shown. Their recovery rate is around 70%, while other treatment programs usually have between 1% to 15% success rate. They've discovered that there are three necessary elements for an addict to be set free. The first one is family. Everybody shout family. family. See, in most cases of addiction, the family unit is completely shattered completely destroyed, and the family feels that they no longer want to or are no longer able to help and offer support. Some people might think that family is part of the cause, part of the reason. Well, this is where the church comes in. This is where the church family comes in. Because Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, and verse 12 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their efforts. If either falls... His companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. And if somebody overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I want you to understand that God placed us in his body, the church. A family of believers to help each other. To encourage each other. To to support each other. And I think we've got this wrong idea of what church actually is. We feel that church is is just us rubbing shoulders on a Sunday or a Wednesday with people who, who just happen to attend the same church as we do. That's wrong. That's not what church is. Realize it or not, take full advantage of it or not, act on it or not, we are actually assigned to each other by God. You have been assigned to the person sitting beside you by God himself. God knew that we would need each other. 1 Corinthians 12 says, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Handpicked, set in this body. You are not here by accident. You have been placed here by God. We are the church body. We are supposed to help each other and provide love and support for each other, even through the difficult times. So that's the first necessary element for an addict to be set free. And the second one is guidance. Everybody shout guidance. 
The Bible says that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. See, we listen to the word of God. We, 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 we apply the word of God to our lives and the word of God guides us throughout the course of our life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 2, it gives this very helpful principle. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, it's all about accountability and responsibility. Being part of the body of the Lord Jesus within a church environment, it creates pause. Because when we go to do something wrong, we say to ourselves, no, I can't do that. I'm accountable to the rest of the church family, and that helps us to stay stronger. The third element for an addict to be set free is to be honest. Turn to the person beside you and say, be honest. Well, pastor, I'm not addicted to anything. (laughs) Okay. Here's a challenge. Come tomorrow morning. Do not pick up your phone. Do not check your phone except if it rings. Other than that, leave it alone. Come back next week and tell me who did that. You're all looking at me. Easy. Easy. Really? Really? Come on. Okay, so do the challenge. Don't pick up your phone. Don't check a notification. Don't go on Facebook, WhatsApp, Messenger, or any other of the thousand things that you can do on your phone. No playing games on your phone. Do not touch it unless you're touching it to answer a phone call. You can hear it from your handbag. You can hear your phone ring from your pocket. Leave it alone. And you come back and tell me next week you're not addicted to your phone. Or numerous other things that you have never thought about before that you'll now realize, oh my goodness, I'm addicted to that. So be honest. See, far too many people try to hide the fact that they're addicted, even from themselves. They don't want to confess. When people think of addiction, they think about the drug addict, the alcoholic. Now you won't. Now you'll think of addiction as something completely different. How you live your life, what you do on a daily basis. Sometimes you need to get help with our addictions. Sometimes you can't master it yourself. Sometimes you've got to find somebody who cares when dealing with addictions. And guess what? We care. We care. We will walk you through it no matter what that addiction is. Talk to somebody because silence is the road to destruction. Silence becomes a chain in and of itself. You need to talk to somebody. This is one of the chains that you're going to have to get help with because you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Oh, you think it's easy? Try not taking your phone. See how easy it really is not. We need somebody to confide in. Remember, iron sharpens iron. Now, don't find somebody who struggles with the same things that you do. I hear it so often. I struggle, I'm I'm an alcoholic, but my friend and I were helping each other. Oh, who's he? He's an alcoholic too. Somebody who struggles with the same things that you struggle with cannot help you. All they will do is make excuses for each other. Make excuses for each other. You will not find any help from a mobile phone addiction with somebody who got the same thing as you. 
Same with alcohol and, and cigarettes and, and drugs and, and eating food. It's not going to work. The best way to not get free from addiction is to find somebody who tells you, do you know what? It's okay. God understands that you struggle with that area of your life. It's fine. It's okay. God knows your weakness. You will never get free that way. Not now, not ever. Find somebody who's been there, yes, but who's free and who's been free for a long time. Find somebody who was an alcoholic and who has now been free. Find somebody who was a, a drug addict who is now free. Find somebody who realized that, my goodness, I've got an addiction to my m- mobile phone. And, and find somebody who's changed that and who's not now addicted to the mobile phone. They will help you and encourage you because they've been there, got the T-shirt. Find someone who can sharpen you. Don't give up hope. Stay in the fight because you can beat this thing. You can beat it. You really can when my wife discovers something that she's getting addicted to, she does not do it. Like watching TV, just scrap that. She went off Facebook for ages. Stay in the fight. You can beat this thing. Hear me this morning. There's hope. I go back to the story of Legion. It seemed to be a hopeless situation. Man had done all that they thought possible to do and nothing worked. See, Jesus can help. In Galatians 5 verse 1, it says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. No master but Jesus. No master but Jesus. No controlling substance or habit but Jesus. Nothing but Jesus determining the pace and our place and our position and our direction in life. Nothing but Jesus. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what you're facing right now. I do know that most people who are addicted are trying to become numb. They shop to escape. They drink to forget. They drug to no longer have to think about things. They spend hours on social media because that is all they have. Most commentaries believe that Jesus had the same opportunity because while he was on the cross, Jesus declared that he was thirsty. And the Gospels say that somebody grabbed a spear and used it to offer Jesus a a sponge soaked in in, in wine that either had gall in it or mirror. Some commentaries refer to a passage of the Talmud that mentions the practice of giving uh, a narcotic to those who are about to be executed. Some think that Gaul had this numbing agent or attribute in it and, and, and the wine could stop people from feeling pain. But here's the thing. Jesus refused to drink. He refused point blank to not feel pain. We need to follow his example and have a no numbing mentality. If Jesus could endure that kind of pain for us, and refuse to be numbed. And we know that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Then my question for you this morning. My question for everybody watching me online this morning. 
is what are you turning to other than Jesus? What are you turning to other than Jesus? Well, Pastor, you know, I mean, it's only a phone. I'm only looking up Facebook and things like that. What's the harm in that? See, I love it when people say that to me. You see, they go on their phones for hours but can't read the Bible for five minutes. Same as movies, we can, we can go and we can sit through a two or three or four hour movie with no hassle at all, but we struggle sitting in church for an hour and a half. It's a, it's a mentality that we've got to break. How can we sit and look at TikTok for an hour and a half, no problem, but can't sit and read our Bible for an hour and a half or pray for an hour and a half or seek the Father's face for an hour and a half? How come we can wake up in the morning and reach for our phone to check our notifications but we can't get out of bed in the morning and fall onto our knees and pray for the day ahead that God will bless it? Why is it so easy to do those things and not things for the kingdom? Because it's an addiction. We're addicted to the wrong things. Let's spend these next weeks and months becoming addicted to Jesus. Let's become addicted to the Word of God. Let's become addicted to worship. Let's become addicted to going to church. Let's become addicted for getting around other believers and having fellowship, wholesome Christian fellowship one with the other. Let's get addicted to the right things and start to push the wrong things out of our lives in the name of Jesus.